Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Windows Weekly is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. It's time for Windows Weekly with Paul Therott, episode 209, recorded May 20th, 2011. Your call is important to us. Windows Weekly is brought to you by Go to Assist Express. If you provide technical support to clients, colleagues, friends, or family, do it easily without being there in person with Go to Assist Express. For a free 30-day trial, visit gotoassist.com slash windows and by audible.com. To download the free audiobook of your choice, go to audible.com slash windows. And by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail in about one business day. For your free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com slash twit. It's time for Windows Weekly, the show that covers all the latest news from Microsoft. And joining us now to do so, Mr. Mike, Mr. Michael. I don't know where Michael came from. Mr. Michael Therott. Paul Therott, editor-in-chief of the Super Site for Windows at winsupersite.com. Uh, I could have been a Michael. Did, you know, what, did your parents ever tell you, Paul Therott, what, uh, what other names they were considering? No, because there were no other names. My father's name is Paul, and uh, he has a bit of an ego Mine as complex. well. Mine as well. <laughs> my narcissistic father named me the same as him. I just at this point out, I named my own son Mark, and we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, there's no Leos. I was Leo, not Leo. And my Leo. father was Leo, my grandfather was Leo, my great-grandfather was Leo, my great-great-grandfather was Leo. It's, it, I, we don't even know. It goes back to the dim mists of obscurity. But right. I never considered Leo for Henry, I, uh, my son. We considered two names, actually. One was Buck, and the other was nice. Lucky. Well, I thought, because a name, a name really sets you up for life. You know, if you're, yeah. <coughs> if you're a woman and you're named Bertha, it's not going to go well. Sorry, if your name is Bertha and you're listening, I apologize. But come on, really. Sure. Some names seem like punishments. If you're, uh, if you're a guy and, and you're named Homer, right? it's not going to go a, well. <clears throat> we have a phrase that, you know, you are a Homer. Yeah. Which is not really you the, Homer, you. a positive <laughs> description. So that's why I thought Buck, so he'd like he'd be wealthy. Yeah. Or Lucky, he'd just be lucky in general. And my wife, of all people, said no. Well, yeah, she would be the one. Um, Homer Laporte. <laughs> yeah. What if my kids were Homer and Bertha Laporte? Yikes. No. Didn't, didn't want kids, huh? <laughs> I think that would be the message. Uh, my feeling was simply that my last name is so hard to spell and pronounce that maybe we Therott. should just give yeah. the children simple. Mark is a good, Mark Therott, that's good. Yeah. And, and we did the same thing with Henry or Hank as he is wants to be known. So, you know, so in both cases, but my daughter's name is Kelly. And in both cases, what we were looking for is a name that you couldn't possibly misspell. But of course, both names, in fact, have at least two spellings. Uh, Mark can be spelled with a C right. and Kelly, E-Y-R, which is why. So um, I often joke that when people occasionally will say, when I say my son's name is Mark, and they'll say, is that with a, a C or a K? And I'll say that's with a Q-U-E. Yeah, I actually had my college roommate was M-A-R-C-Q-K. Yikes. Just to drive you crazy. <laughs> so we tried, but that's what happened. Well, anyway, Mr. Therod, welcome to the show. Yes. Now that we've now that we've this is the baby naming portion of the show. It's something you probably yeah. didn't expect it, when you when you tuned in Windows <laughs> Weekly. It's not something we do every week. 
<laughs> but no. But we thought maybe just this sometimes. This this sometimes. once. Sometimes. Paul and Leo's baby name book. So uh, we're doing this show for those of you watching live on a Friday because thank you, Paul. You let me take a day off. But it, would, it kind of coincided with your own uh, schedule because you, you had just flown back. Oh, uh, listen. From, yeah, from TechEd, from Atlanta. And if we had done Atlanta. this yesterday, it would have been a basket case. Yeah. In fact, I got, I, not really appreciating how tired I was, I got home and uh, ate lunch and then slept for the entire afternoon. So it's probably best. Well, I'm glad that you're feeling fine and I'm fine. <laughs> And now we are going to talk about Windows. Yes, we are. And that'll cheer us up immensely. I hope it does. How was TechEd? <laughs> it was really good, actually. Yeah. It, it's funny because uh, there were no major product announcements per se. You know, And I'm not even sure that TechEd is usually a venue for such things. But there was still a lot going on. And, and in sort of a jaded way, I go into these events thinking, well, I'm not really going to learn anything. I'm, I'm up on what Microsoft is doing, but I actually found out a few things at TechEd and uh, that I didn't really know much about to my uh, delight. So uh, it was good. I mean, it was a busy week. It was a long week and uh, yeah, it was good. Well, good. We'll talk about that in great yeah. and, and, and frankly exhausting detail in a moment. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but oh, I wanted to ask you about your uh, campaign because you I asked can't. people to help you. You wanted 10 ways time, yeah, that Microsoft yeah. could fix Microsoft, as if it were broken, Paul Not Theron. Well, by the way, that's one. That's absolutely one consideration. Maybe Microsoft isn't broken. Maybe the people who whine and moan about Microsoft needing to do this or that should just shut up and get on with their lives. And, and certainly I can fall into that category uh, pretty easily. So I try to admit that up front. But I, this campaign, as you call it, was... Um, not the first time I've reached out for help per se, but I, did, I asked last week on this podcast, I asked on Twitter... You know, if you were going to fix Microsoft, I mean, what would you recommend? Um, hundreds of responses later, I tried to collect what I thought were the best ones. Uh, I like I it that you did on Twitter, too, because that means they were short. <laughs> 140 <laughs> yeah, characters. Uh, sure, sure. And, and, and for whatever it's worth, I mean, for people who follow my stuff, um, certainly I could take a topic like this and beat it to death and write, you know, 30,000 <laughs> words or something. And I tried not to do that, although it's still a pretty long document. Um, and I, I wanted to keep it down to 10 but ultimately, it worked out to be about 16 suggestions, as I call them. Uh, some of them are contradictory. I mean, this, this, the idea isn't Microsoft needs to do all of these things and then it's going to be fine on the other side. It means, well, here's some ideas. You know, maybe uh, we can mix and match uh, between some of these and, and hopefully these will be good ideas or whatever. But uh, I thought it was interesting. You know, so, some people had very specific product requests, and that's not what this was about, right? You know, Microsoft needs to change the file system in Windows 8. You know, okay, maybe. Uh, but that's a different conversation. That's not really what I care about. I'm, I'm talking about big picture strategy things, right? Uh, Microsoft is a business. Uh, and for the people who would argue that Microsoft generates a lot of money and they're a very big company and they, they're, they're in no danger of not being a big revenue generating company, I would say, yeah, oh, fair enough, I, absolutely. But what I'm talking about is more along the lines of the consumer-facing uh, products that generate news and buzz and are exciting and interesting and fun, and uh, less along the lines of the IBM-style, you know, services and, and all that kind of Although junk. Although there you may know, be more money in that. I mean, let's face it, right? Absolutely. It's just not absolutely. as interesting. No, this isn't, you know, Microsoft's going to fail. It's it's that Microsoft is losing the interest Mindshare. of Mindshare. the technology yes, enthusiasts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, and, and, and arguably of general consumers as well. You know, that's what this is about. I look at big parts of Microsoft, 
including the stuff that would have been on display last week, uh, this past week at TechEd. And that stuff is all enormously successful. There's no doubt about it. You know, their business software, their servers, and increasingly their online services are really impressive, really impressive. And also, I should point out, you know, one of the complaints I've made about Microsoft with regards to different parts of this business, uh, Windows or Windows Phone, is that the company moves too slowly, right? And I think that that is still true. It is true for consumers. But when you look at businesses, Microsoft is in many ways a very aggressive company. And I think that from both a time to market and then their adoption of a new technology standpoint. So this is the uh, perplexing part about Microsoft, you know. It's such a huge company. It has so many different businesses, some of which have absolutely nothing to do with each other. It's hard to look at this thing as a single company, a single thing, you know, because it's so big and so multi-headed uh, and so complex. And, and that's maybe part of the problem too, right? Uh, so that was the point behind, um, behind this campaign, as, as you said. And, um, you know, hopefully it will generate some discussion, at least certainly some debate. You know, you... Um, I would say on the Microsoft side of the fence, we don't get a lot of those crazy advocacy people that you see more on the Apple or Mac side or on the Linux side um, or whatever. You know you know how these things go. I mean, in the, in the tech world, we have uh, those certain uh, overzealous types that you know love to debate every little pedantic point and so forth. But, of course, something like this is going to bring those guys out of the woodwork even on the Microsoft side. And they do exist. And it's very interesting to me um, that they're out there and, I, you know, they're amusing and sad in some ways. But, you know, uh, it, Microsoft still generates interest, you know, and that's something that we're going to see very soon as the Windows 8 stuff starts uh, evolving and, and becoming more public, right? When Microsoft has this event this September, I think you're going to see the Windows 8 news cycle is going to explode. People are still very interested in Microsoft. So they're not, it's not like they've fallen off of a cliff, um, but... There's no doubt, too, that companies like Apple and Google, and by the way, Facebook and a lot of these online companies are generating a lot more hype and buzz these days. And I think that's the type of thing I was looking at. You know, how can we fix that? Well, how would you I fix can, Microsoft, Leo? All I can say is get rid of that son of a gun. Hello. Yeah. Did you see the... <laughs> yeah. We didn't talk about it last. Last week we talked about could Balmer be the problem. And then, yeah. interestingly, in the interim, somebody posted uh, an article about the Microsoft's stock price. Now, admittedly, the stock price isn't the only way to judge a company. Really? Because it's one of the primary ways. <laughs> but yeah, it's okay, not the yes. only way. Look, I'm trying to give him some, it's, some credit here. It's not here. the only way. No, it's not the only way. That's true. But but it, it certainly reflects the comment. And, and by the way, all of these things about making Microsoft more sexy are really about improving the stock price as much as anything else. Um. But yeah, I, uh, right. So obviously market cap, we know because it was a big news story last year when Apple surpassed Microsoft's market cap, the that's all based on stock price. Right. So Apple's market valuation, attention. if you will, uh, has skyrocketed, uh, skyrocketed in a decade in which Microsoft's has basically stood still. So this, so, this story was somebody did some calculation. It says that since Steve Ballmer yeah. has been CEO, Microsoft's value has gone down. Was it 56 percent? Sure. I mean, I know stock is not the only measure of success, but if I'm the CEO of a company, <laughs> a publicly held company, and and my stock... If, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you look at Microsoft from any perspective and you say, well, how would you change this company? I mean, ultimately, what, no matter which very specific thing you, you suggest, the reason it's not happening always has to come back to the CEO. I mean, eventually the buck has to stop 
somewhere. And that's where, you know, um, I like Steve Ballmer. That's what makes this hard. You know, people have been debating this issue for a couple of years now, and I've always tried to, I don't mean remain above it, but kind of remain outside of it. I, I've tried not, not get sucked to, in by it. Uh, yes. A, a pine on this particular issue, because what, one of the problems with replacing a guy like Steve Ballmer, uh, it, even though it's a lesser problem than say replacing someone like Bill Gates, which is a very serious problem, is that it's hard to, find anyone out there who makes sense, you know, that you, uh, it's, it's easy to say and cheap to say, you know, let's just get rid of the bum and that will fix all right. these problems. It, as if it, really it is fix, easy. It doesn't yeah. fix any problems. It introduces its own set of problems. You know, uh, I, I did a search for Steve Ballmer stock price and I found an article from the San Jose Mercury news from 2005. Yeah. From six years ago in which Ballmer told shareholders on Wednesday mm-hmm. that, Microsoft measures its success by its products, not its share price. <laughs> He's kind of, right. He kind of gave you a heads up, kids. <laughs> well, we, Microsoft, in other words, I measure because when I measure it the other way, it looks bad. It he said, I, this I, is 2005. I bring up this comparison every time I hear something like that, which is the phrase, uh, cold hands, warm heart. <laughs> Who do you think came up with that phrase? Someone with, with really cold, cold hands. hands, Leo. So, right? Um, yeah. You know, and uh, that's the thing. I mean, that, and that's... But right, I mean that that's you can see how that sort of factors into that sort of uh, uh, decision. You know, we don't yeah, we don't worry about. This Byron thing. is saying something interesting in the chat room. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to actually kind of get your your thought on this. He says the vast yeah. majority of Apple's profit came mm-hmm. from products that did not exist a few years ago. Meanwhile, Microsoft's profit really comes from products yeah, invented in the eighties. Yeah. Is that right. the case? Well, this, uh, yes, it is. And and this is the that's a problem. problem. Actually, as I see it, right. And in fact, one of the suggestions is about starting over. You know. Um, to, to get a little specific into a, a product type thing, I would say that um, it, it, this week Apple celebrated their 10th anniversary for the retail stores. Yep. If you, if you go back and look at the original vision for those stores, it was ludicrous. It was all about the Mac. They, it was all Mac stuff. It was third-party hardware products that could plug into Macs. It was, it was the stupidest looking thing in the world. And there's an interesting bit of history rewriting that occurs now where you know, all the pundits said that this thing was going to fail um, if you look at Apple's original plan, it was I absolutely going to fail. It was ridiculous. I said it was going to fail. I said, <clears throat> look at what Gateway well, has done with its stores. There, right. Gateway was closing its stores right when Apple in 2001 was opening its stores. Yes, but Apple's, uh, you know, Apple's original plan, th- their problem at the time was that uh, they felt people didn't buy Macs because they never had any hands-on experience they with see them. them. Yeah. And if they could just get their hands on them, people would buy them. Well, that's, now, that wasn't wrong. Well, except for one thing. So 10 years later, they still have less than 5% of the computer market. But the reason Apple's stores have taken off really is because of the devices the ipods and then the iphones well, and yes. now the ipads and that's business the stuff that's in selling, general right? yeah apple's business in general is based on those things and that's the, the products he was talking about that make up the majority of apple's revenues um that shows a there, i mean there's a lot that that shows but apple's ability to uh get rid of old technology very quickly and adopt new technology apple's pure vision the ability to see where the market's going and then guide it in that direction uh, these are things we used to associate with microsoft you know, the majority of Microsoft's revenues, I don't have, I wrote something about this some time ago, and I don't have this figure in front of me, but it was something like 85% comes from legacy products, uh, yes, that were uh, that are in many ways decades old. And I'm talking about things like uh, Windows on both the client and the server, and of course, Microsoft Office. Um, and then to a, in, in Xbox 360 is somewhere very, very small in there as well. But um, these are products that have been around for a long time, but legacy products. Um that is the problem, right? That Microsoft's success, and, you know, they're, uh, not their success so much, but their, their revenues are all based on these legacy products. Microsoft has failed 
almost every time, it's tried to emulate the PC model, the Windows model in other markets. It hasn't failed in places where it makes sense. So, for example, when you go from Windows to Windows Server, it, would, it makes sense that those things are very closely related so that the, the basic business model there would work, you know, on the other end. Um, you know, something like Office makes sense. It's, it's traditional software like Windows. So those businesses have all done well. But with rare exception, when it's worked outside the box um, or tried to emulate you know, its old uh, business model, it hasn't worked for Microsoft. You know, Xbox 360 maybe is the, is the one big exception to all that. But isn't that historically the hardest thing in the world for a company to do is to reboot itself and, and come up with the well, next big thing? I mean, that's very so the, hard to do. Yeah, there's a lot going on there, right? So it's not just new products. It's not just new markets. It's things like branding, you know, uh, it's things like product positioning. It's they're terrible you know, at marketing and branding. I have to say, absolutely, absolutely terrible. Yeah, the the sad thing for Microsoft is they try. You know, they don't get a lot of credit for it. People always point to those crazy names. You know, Microsoft, blah blah blah, Server 2011, Second Edition, whatever it is. You know, the the 137 character long uh, Microsoft product name, and we all laugh because we all we have all seen those product names. But the truth is, Microsoft has tried branding. It's done things like Xbox and Zune and Bing. And the truth is, most of the time, those brands actually fail. You know, branding isn't just important, it's hard. And it's something that Microsoft hasn't always done correctly. You know, Apple's product names are not exactly, um, you know, innovative or interesting in any way. It's always I something, right. you know. Uh, it seems to have worked out but At least them. it's not a number. <clears throat> right. Well, look at a, a, a PC company like HP and the way that they name their machines. Or Toshiba does this too, where it's a... A, a series of numbers, a dash, and then another series of numbers, or some convoluted combination of letters and numbers. Um, terrible it's a, such a simple thing. And yet I think the reason <laughs> yeah. they do it is if they were to say the new HP Thunder Pack, um, people uh, would mock it as not serious. And I think that the problem with making a business PC is yeah. it, it needs to be perceived as serious. That's why they called it not FireWire, but IEEE 1394. Even after Apple said, it's okay to call it FireWire, we won't, we, we won't charge you a fee, it, because it yeah. was more business-like. Okay. Uh, I think that's, that's why. Fair enough. I, I, there are absolutely reasons why, but it doesn't change the fact that these names are terrible. It's not sexy. You, you can look at names uh, or product versioning conventions. Microsoft has largely moved to a year-based numbering scheme. Yeah. Um, I remember when they did this, they talked about how p people are familiar with this from automobiles, that right. I drive a 2010 Camry or whatever. It's very, right. people understand what that means. Um, of course, there's a new yeah. Camry every year, so it kind of makes sense. Well, that's the thing. And that's, that was actually my argument that very, <laughs> at that very day was, well, if you intend to make a new version of Windows every year, I believe you, then this is a good idea. But if you don't, <laughs> you get into a situation where you're running Windows 2000 in 2003. Right. And it makes you look behind. Right. Whereas if you were saying I was running Windows 5.0. Right. You would never have that conversation or mentality about the product name. Now, see, <clears throat> that seems obvious. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Why? And here you are, you're suggesting this. How come they can't see it? Well, or, or are they I, having I, this conversation and then making a decision? Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't understand. Uh, okay, so w when this started, basically with Windows 95, right? I think at the time, there was a great case to be made that Microsoft was still a powerhouse with consumers. And that Windows 95, of course, was a huge consumer uh, right. product. It so was. There was a lot of excitement around that. It was indeed. So... I think that their thinking along the uh, along that time frame would have been that this is our this is how we resonate this is one of the ways that we can resonate with consumers. In other words, it is consumers 
who know from buying cars that this is how things are numbered. So this is why that makes sense. To right. businesses, uh, not only do they not care, it might actually be a negative. I, I think businesses would rather see version numbers. Right. Uh, maybe I'm oversimplifying. But, you know, in the years since, um, you can rattle off the number of big consumer successes that Microsoft has had on, well, probably one finger, actually, because there haven't been many. Um, you know, as somebody noted to me, uh, either in an email or maybe on Twitter, you know, Windows is a huge success story. Absolutely no doubt about it. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of copies, b billions really of all versions together sold. But people don't go buy Windows and they don't seek out Windows. You know, they buy PCs and they do it because it's compatible with what they have at work or it's compatible with the applications that they already know and use. Um, no one is really buying Windows, you know, not directly. And that these things don't matter to businesses anyway. So what's, I don't, you know, it, it's weird that they would spend so much effort trying to, you know, drum up excitement for this consumer stuff. I mean, how confusing must it be to a business that there were two media players yeah. with the Windows logo on them in, in Windows 7? And then a third, if you want to throw Zoom in the mix that Microsoft makes, you know, why, why, are, why do they have all these things? This is crazy. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't know, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, if I were to pick, I, I'm my, sure that's a rhetorical question. <clears throat> so I won't yes, try to answer. Yes, please. I'd love to hear an answer, but yes. Well, in a recent discussion with the Microsoft, <laughs> we figured it all out. Yeah. So, I, when I, you know, I look at this list. I mean, I think what I, I would like to communicate to people that not all of these things are my ideas. I don't actually agree with all of these things. Um, these are more just general discussion points. Um, the things that I do think that Microsoft needs to do, just looking at the list. And again, there are 16 of these points. I mean, I really do feel that Microsoft gets it when it comes to businesses and that the focus for Microsoft should be on businesses. I think the focus that Microsoft really is on businesses, but I think they explicitly just need to admit this to themselves and forget about all this consumer baloney because it never really amounts to anything for them. And uh, <clears throat> I think that would solve a lot of problems. You know, we have spent on this podcast a lot of time comparing Apple and Microsoft over the past couple of years. Because Apple has been surging with consumers and Microsoft has not. And a lot of people will say, well, why do you even compare these companies? You know, the, the reason we compare them is because Microsoft compares them too. Right. Microsoft has been, it's got this Apple bug that they can't shake. I, I, I would like to see Microsoft just say, forget it. This is, there are other companies that just do a better job with those people. Why are we even bothering? I mean, people who are so-called consumers will continue to use Microsoft products for individuals, Windows and Office and so forth. But, you know, claiming that Office is a product for consumers is sort of ludicrous. You do it to get things done. It's a productivity app. It, by nature, is a, a business app. I mean, it's right. just a business app. It's fine. There's no, you know, bad reputation to be had because it's a business app. And just admit it. You know, admit, just admit it, and that's what you're going after. By the way, once you define your market that way, they're winning big time. They, well, yeah. they look great, you know, so... That's one thing. I, I would look at the simplification stuff. We've talked about this a lot in simplification in products, simplification in branding, simplification in uh, corporate hierarchy. Microsoft is a big company uh, that can't make decisions quickly, can't move quickly. We're still waiting for those tablets, Leo. You know, remember last year was the year of the tablet. Uh, uh, this year, okay, seriously, it will be this year. And, you know, seriously, maybe it will be next year. We don't know. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't rush it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Don't I, hold your breath. I, you know, the buzzsaw is waiting. It'll be there next week, next year, next month. Just, you know, take yeah. your time. There, there are examples uh, contrary to this. But by and large, you know, Microsoft doesn't move um, quickly enough. Again, unless you 
just admit it's a business company and then they're moving along just fine. Right. Um, you know, I, you know, that's a big thing. I, I think that uh, there's some weirdness around such things as um, copying products and designs, uh, which Microsoft and Apple have both accused each other of over the years. Uh, and also acquisitions, you know, in other words, we, we are not succeeding in this market. If we want to be in it, the way to succeed is to buy one of the big players and just integrate that stuff into our, into our business. Microsoft actually has a rich history of doing both of those things. And I think they were almost embarrassed by it, you know, as if copying something that someone else is doing right is in any way a bad thing. I think that's just good business. And as if buying a, a software company for a product or technology or even people is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a great way to get into a market very quickly. A lot of iconic Microsoft products from today were purchases. We just forget, you know, PowerPoint is a good example of that, you know, where, you know, what do you think Microsoft invented PowerPoint? You know, they purchased this company a long time ago. Now it's a full-fledged, you know, we don't think anything of it. It's one of Microsoft's biggest products. Stuff like that is okay. You know, the whole uh, Redmond start your photocopier business, you know, was like a way to, as if, they were somehow calling out Microsoft on something that they had never done, they being Apple in this case. I mean, it's ludicrous. You know, both, co both these companies copy each other uh, fairly routinely. Uh, don't be embarrassed by that. Some, you know, the good ideas don't all happen in-house. So feel free to look externally. I also think, you know, for all of the, the, the junk around this Skype purchase, which I think we all sort of agree, even though maybe we all don't understand the implications, that it was very expensive, too expensive. I, the thing I like about it is there's Microsoft at least being aggressive. They're sticking their neck out. They're doing something that a lot of other companies can't do just simply because it's very expensive. And they're sort of sending an aggressive message. Even if this was about Facebook, not, it, let's say that was the only reason they bought it. We don't want Facebook to have Skype. Well, you know what? That's kind of a cool thing for Microsoft to do right there. That's a nice competitive move. I think they should do more of that stuff. They should buy Twitter. They should buy Adobe. They should buy whatever companies they can afford that are doing well in areas that Microsoft is not, and they should spend every cent they have. They've been sitting on this cash for the past decade and doing nothing with it. You know, for the price of what they were going to pay for Adobe, they could probably buy all of those companies. <laughs> and, the, and the entire music industry. And RIM and Nokia, maybe, eventually. <laughs> I mean, why not? All. Well, buy, absolutely buy them all. Well, there are regulatory issues. I don't... Uh, well, maybe not anymore. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Maybe not anymore. Go ahead. We buy, got... buy, by the way, buy them all until there are regulatory issues. Right, right, right. You know, <laughs> buy them all. And if you buy can't, them. and if you have regulatory issues, buy an FCC commissioner and it'll be fine. Everyone's doing it, Leo. <laughs> Everyone's doing it. <laughs> no big deal. Just offer him a job. Yeah. We're going to take a break. Paul Therat is here and uh, we are talking about his article at uh, the Supersite for Windows, winsupersite.com, on how Microsoft could fix Microsoft. 16 viewer and reader and listener suggested ways to replace Microsoft uh, or fix or reboot. I guess reboot's the word I was looking Reboot's for. a good term. Yeah. Reboot Microsoft. Uh, tech ad review coming up in just a little bit. There's some interesting uh, news about uh, Intel versus ARM in the mobile space. And Windows, of course, is a big part of this. Um, in fact, Intel, well, we'll see. I'd like to hear what you think about the FUD inter Intel. Like Godzilla and King Kong going right. at it. <laughs> yeah, just stay out of the, stay out of the way, villagers. I mean, enjoy watching it, but just don't get trampled. Don't get trampled. But while we talk about that, or before we talk about that, let's talk a little bit about our friends at Citrix, the makers of the great go-to assist express, a great tool, really, really useful tool for people who, uh, are in the support business. You know, what, one of the real challenges of support, of course, is, um, 
being effective, being efficient without um, trampling your users. Uh, and frankly, uh, it's no fun for anybody, including your users, to spend time on the phone saying, click the start menu. Okay, see that where it says run? Click that. Okay, now I'm going to say something. I want you to type it exactly as I say it. No, you don't want to get in that business. What you really want to do, you know you want to do, is just reach your fingers out, reach your hands out in through the phone line and fix the computer. And that's what your user wants. Your user just wants to get it fixed. Go to Assist Express makes that possible. With And even if your user doesn't have it installed, by the way, you put it on your system right now. In fact, you do it for, for, for three for 30 days, free for 30 days. Go to assist.com. Uh, let me see what the URL is. Slash Windows. Go to, but now that's, that's deceptive because it works on Windows or Mac. Go to assist.com slash Windows. Install it. And then the next time you get that support call, whether it's from a customer, a client, a colleague, a family, a friend, uh, all you have to do is say, okay, here's a link. Uh, you could actually tell them the link over the phone. You say, go to visit, go to assist.com, and here's the, uh, the ticket number. They enter that in, press a button. It installs the software. Now, it does this each time, by the way, very quickly, about 30 seconds. And the reason is it always has the latest software. This is for security reasons, and it really works well. Never been a security problem with GoToAssist Express. So they'll have the software. Now you can say, okay, I got it from here. You can chat with them. They can watch. You can chat with them as you're fixing stuff. You can show them your machine. So if you want to say, does it look like, you know, this is what it's supposed to look like, that kind of thing. This is good for training and, and things like that. Uh, but it also has additional features. It's based, of course, on the great Citrix uh, remote accesses. But it's got uh, additional features for support. Unattended support is possible. So once your customer's installed it, and uh, and you say, okay, from now on, I'd like to be able to get in there. And they say, okay, you don't have to wait. They could say, hey, I got a problem. And you say, I'll take care of it overnight at your, at your leisure. Eight sessions at the same time. I don't have to tell you why that's great. I mean, you start an install on one or a fix or a scan or whatever, and you move to the next, the next, the next. Makes you much more efficient. Um, you can get a complete assay of the not only the operating system version, but any software running in the background, including security software. You can see and solve the problem fast it is believe me it, this is well worth it they have day passes but you're probably going to want the monthly subscription uh, i'm going to give you the monthly subscription for 30 days right now if you visit go to assist.com slash windows 30 days free go to assist.com slash windows if you support people on computers mac or windows this is the one you've got to have go to assist express from citrix just, I've, I've just visited my Twitter, and I, uh, you know, they have the uh, suggestions for who to follow these days. And uh, I noticed yep. that they are suggesting that I follow the Dalai Lama and Charlie Sheen. So I <laughs> is a, just for the wall rounded <laughs> together nature, at last. Yeah, yeah. I think you know I'll get uh, karmic redemption and well, winning, and wait, right, and some other kind of redemption. <laughs> is Charlie Sheen done yet? Yeah, I think he's it, got it. Oh so. God, thank God. Now the new this is the new meme. I don't know if you've seen this one. This is just uh this was on Boing Boing uh I think it was yesterday. This is the um in the Ukrainian parliament. The vice speaker of the Ukrainian parliament. Let me see if I can launch this for you. Uh choking uh choking the uh, one of the uh, deputies because he wanted to speak and he didn't <laughs> he didn't want to let him <laughs> And he actually chokes him in the parliament. How many times have I wanted to do that? Yep. Nope. In fact, there's now video. This is the funniest video. Look over in the. Oh, oh look, what, what? Ah, ah, 
He throws him right over the bench. Can you see it? He's throwing him right over the bench. Boom, bye. You know, some people are not ready for democracy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want, you know. Listen, I disagree with people. I, I, I guess I occasionally would like to strangle people, but I, I mean, really? That's <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever seen. I could just, I could just see, uh, I think we're going to see some internet um, memeing around there. Choking. Choking. It's a new internet. You got to watch the, when these things happen, you got to watch because they're going to spread like wildfire around the internet. That's good. Yeah. The Ukrainian parliament. That's the place you want to be. Wait one more time. I think I, the video is better on this here. Let me play. Let me play the video. And this is from boingboing.net If you want to read it, um, waiting for cash, buffering. <laughs> I hate internet video. I don't know why people doubt cloud computing. <laughs> buffering, waiting, waiting. All right, never mind. Forget I even said anything. <laughs> Moving right along. Okay. Topic two. You want to talk about uh, TechEd at all, or have we kind of hit the? It's yeah, we should talk about this. All right. So what is, first of all, what is TechEd? TechEd is Microsoft's annual trade show for IT pros and developers. Uh, it's about 7,500 people. It was held this year in Atlanta, which has one of the biggest airports I've ever seen, as well as one of the biggest trade show convention halls I've ever seen. I, I, this place was, I mean, I've been to Vegas and I've you know, been to New Orleans, both of which are humongous. There was something about this place. And it seemed like they purposely scheduled events and meetings so that you would always have to walk between the buildings. It was like a 13-mile hike every time you had to do anything. That's great. Our feet were, I mean, we were just dying by the end of this thing. It was really oh, yeah. a lot of work just walking around. It seemed, as a result, it seemed bigger than it was from a attendee standpoint. You know, if you'd asked me, how many people do you think are here? I would have said, I don't know, 30,000. I mean, it just seemed huge, you know. Um. But we did. A, we had a reviewers workshop on Sunday morning and throughout the day Sunday, and then Sunday night, my company hosted a Microsoft uh, precon, like a pre-convention session, I guess, if you will, about cloud computing. That was kind of interesting because we had split up into two groups, and I was uh, co-running the the <laughs> the IT Pro version. So some of my buddies were over on the other side doing the cloud, the uh, the developer track. And the differences between the two are very striking. So, for example, on the developer side, you you talk about cloud computing, and to these guys, it's the biggest opportunity in the world. Um, it's another thing to learn, but it's a, it's a new business. You know, it's like this is more stuff for us to do. It's great. And then on the IT pro side, it was like a funeral. You know, because these guys are thinking, you know, my business is going to go to Exchange hosted in the cloud, and then I'm not going to have a job anymore. And um, it was mostly about it was it was like, um, you know, managing people who are experiencing a loss you know it was very it was almost sad you know <laughs> it was a very strange thing but anyway obviously if you're in um if you're an it pro you're in it i mean you understand that the business is ever changing and that this is this is absolutely one of the biggest changes of all time it's not like going from nt to windows 2000 i mean this is a big you know this is a big change but hopefully people are prepared for this and uh, you know, or keeping their training up to date and so forth. But it was it was kind of interesting. Well, you know, it just sounds, tech ed sounds like um, something I'd like to go to. It sounds serious. It's, <laughs> it, it, is, it is serious. You it's know, very, it sounds like serious. a good conference. I like I, I like developer conferences. I loved Google I.O. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. ever get really invited to go behind the scenes at WWDC, which is Apple's uh, mm -hmm. 
developers mm-hmm. conference. This sounds like this the the third of the yeah. So three right, I was right. Uh, they're not directly comparable, but they're the big events of those three companies, right? So it's interesting how they position themselves, right? I'm I'm going to be curious to see uh, what Apple says about this next iPhone and when when it's going to come out because it's not going to be like in years past where it was going to come out within 30 days of the announcement. So I'm I'm going to be curious to see what that's like. But on the Microsoft side. You know, there was no big new product announcement. You know, they didn't announce Windows 8 or say anything about Windows 8, for example. There was nothing like that. But what you kind of get from what I got from TechEd was just a clear sense of where Microsoft has its tendrils, which is everywhere, and that Microsoft is alone of, uh, of, say, it and Google and then other companies that uh, compete in these online services in offering not just all the on-premises servers you could ever want, you know, for those people that need things on-premises, not just the hosted services, you know, people who need things like Google Apps or Office 365 or pure hosted services, but also that hybrid model, uh, which we've talked about before, where you can have a, some combination of both, right? There are places and uh, businesses where for regulatory or legal reasons, you can't have data up in someone else's data center or up in some data center that's in a different country or whatever it may be, and Microsoft actually addresses all of those needs. You know, they have all these different ways of doing things. And I think that that stuff is very interesting. So um, I, I really do think that yeah, it's just the combination of things that really makes what Microsoft offers very, yeah, very, very interesting. So some good stuff there. Um, I learned some things about products I didn't know much about. For example, Multipoint Server, which is a really cool product for education and a way to basically string a bunch of uh, uh, screens and keyboards and mice off of a single computer and essentially having a lab full of what appears to be multiple computers, but they're all running off of the same box, you know, using terminal server technology and very, very cheap. You know, so instead of spending 20 or 30 grand on a lab, you could spend three or $4,000 and have the same functionality. Really, really cool. Um, you know, they talked about small business server and combining it with Office 365 and how that add-in is going to look and how that's going to be a seamless experience. Very cool. Um, you know, stuff like that. So it was a good show. Good show, man. Good show. <laughs> Jolly good. I, I should also point out, you know, I, I, I did some video interviews and one of them was with uh, Microsoft technical fellow Mark Rosinovich, um, one of the smartest guys at Microsoft, one of the smartest guys in our industry. And... He had moved about a year and a half ago, I think it was, from the Windows client team or the core Windows team uh, to Azure, the Microsoft's hosted uh, platform in the in the sky, you know, Windows Azure and uh, SQL Azure. And he was uh, in the interview I did with him. I asked him, you know, from a kind of a platform perspective, what's the big difference? I mean, obviously, this thing's up in the cloud, but it's not like Microsoft took Windows Server and just threw it up in the cloud. I mean, you have to make it's different, right? You know, there are different concerns. I mean. What makes Windows Azure different from Windows Server? You know, what makes it better? And and he said something that really kind of finally clicked with me because I, I have to tell you, I've had a real mind block with a lot of this stuff over the years. Um, he was saying that the, the big difference, and speaking very generally, was that Windows Azure could never go down. You know, it can't, it can't, not, it can't not be available. So they had to re-architect this thing so that it was completely componentized and that it's, all of these components were distributed and that what they would do is the way they update this thing, which they updated on a continual basis, is they update a, one of the instances of the component while they push everyone who's using it over to one of the other instances of the component. So to the users, Windows Azure never goes down. It's just never down. So they update these things. These components are all updated discreetly, not just the components themselves, but the instances of the components. 
the effective downtime to the users is zero, right? Compare this with Windows 7, where you get an update almost every single day, most of which require you to reboot your computer. You know, my, my computer is offline, if you will, some part of the day, at least a couple of times a week. That's how Windows is today. You know, it's just sort of the accepted norm. But when you move to this cloud model, you need to have, you know, 100% availability, essentially, or, you know, what they, they guarantee 99.95 uh, uh, availability. And, of course, you know, there are other factors. When you talk about cloud computing, your, your broadband provider and so forth could all go down and, and all that kind of stuff. But from Microsoft's perspective, the actual server, the service, you know, Windows Azure, that thing needs to be available all the, all the time. And so far it has been. So um, it's just an interesting thing. And, and I know that people are, you know, there'll always be the kind of chicken little uh, people who are worried about the cloud and, you know, oh, we can't do that. We, you know, we have to pay this for that and, you know, whatever. But I, I find it very interesting that there's a real architectural advantage to this um, that goes beyond just, well, you know, your stuff will be available from anywhere. You know, it's also a, a more technically reliable and technically interesting system, if you will, you know, a, a technically superior system. Azure. Would you ever find out if it's Azure, Azure, Azure? Yeah, he's, he pronounced, I see, I pronounced it six different ways as, as I talked. Uh, Azure. 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 I'm sure it's Azure. <laughs> I still wish they'd call it Aubergine, but okay. Yeah, well, one more thing I should say, because people have asked about this. Uh, Microsoft completed Windows Home Server 2011 and Small Business Server 2011 Essentials about a month ago, I think it was, or maybe two months ago even. And I get a lot of questions about when the new server hardware is going to show up. You know, when can you buy these things? And in both cases, I was told that uh, end of May, beginning of June, which I take to mean middle of July, um, these things will become available en masse. And I assume, and I wasn't told this, they wouldn't really talk about this, but I assume at that time as well that the OEM versions of that software will appear. What that means is that you can go to a place like Newegg and buy the, you know, the OEM version of Windows Home Server, which is what a lot of enthusiasts do, so that you can install the software on your own hardware, right, on, you know, like a PC box or whatever. Well, that's cool. Would you recommend that? I mean, or is it just for trial purposes? Yeah, so that is actually what I'm doing right now. But the reason I'm doing it is I, I really don't know a lot about what this hardware is going to look like. We know that um, we know that HP is out of the market, right, as far as Windows Home Server goes. Oddly enough, uh, HP has a, an incredible collection of small business server essentials-based machines coming. But... That makes sense within their, con you know, HP is more of a business, uh, a business PC maker and so forth. Um, but they're not doing Windows Home Server. But we know that there are going to be other companies, Acer and so forth, that are going to be making uh, Windows Home Server 2011 specific boxes. So I don't really have any real um, news about those or what they're going to look like or when they're going to be here. But, well, I, well, I do know when they're going to be late May, early June or whatever, but um, I guess I would just wait and see what those things look like. I For the first generation of um, Windows Home Server, I had those uh, the various HP boxes. I went through a couple of different generations of those. And I love the form factor and all that kind of stuff. I, I think for this version, because of the way it's structured and because of the way things are going, frankly, uh, even the huge tower that I'm currently using in some ways isn't enough because what you're really looking for is the ability to plug in as many drives as you can because you want to have... Uh, not just the drive for the the drives for the data, but also drives for server backup, right? And then uh, separately from the drive space, you you want the ability to back up to the cloud and so forth. So, you know, entire PC works fine, or any PC would work fine. But 
I even know, I know certain, some people are actually even virtualizing it for some reason. Um, but yeah, you know, you never know. Hopefully there'll be some HP style, excellent Windows Home Server box. I just don't know yet. <laughs> well, they did it though. And did they, did they stop doing it and now they're going to do it again? I mean, is, are you saying they'll bring it back? No, HP has announced that they're not doing Windows Home Server 2011. But what they are doing is oh, I see. Small Business Server 2011 Essentials, which, of course, is based on the Windows Home Server code base and so forth. So, um, you know, Maybe the, they the just prime... decided there wasn't a home user market for it. Or they, you know what? They didn't want to support yeah. it. I, I don't really think there's a huge market for Windows Home Server, frankly. Um, but as anyone who uses it will tell you, and I am one of those people... It is absolutely fantastic, and I, I do recommend it strongly. I love it. Um, do you have you tried um, the other kind of like uh, Unix-based uh, home server NAS style? No, and I, I, no, 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 and I never. That's not your thing. Because <laughs> <No. laughs> there's quite a few. No, I mean, no, I've tried a few. No, there's of quite course a few. there are, but I mean, ultimately, these things are Linux boxes, and I, right. I have zero interest in that. I, no that's interest. crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. Crazy talk. Why would anybody ever want to do that? I can't even believe you mentioned it. <laughs> Well, one of the advantages of them is they'll run on these cheap little Marvell-based um, plug-in, yeah. plug things, like Tonito and stuff. I, look, I, I think the OEM version of um, Windows Home Server will cost all of 100 bucks or something. Really? It will run on, oh, yeah, it will run on whatever PC box you have um, already. So as you upgrade you know, to a new Windows 7 machine or whatever, you can repurpose this as a home server box. It's, it's really not that big of a deal. And you know, you know, storage costs nothing these days. You can get right. these two terabyte drives for... $69 at, uh, you know, on Amazon or whatever. Uh, so there you go. I mean, there's almost no reason not to do it these days. I mean, the trick is, like I said, <laughs> getting a box where you're going to have enough storage, you know, because you want to duplicate things through uh, server backup. And then, of course, you also have to figure out a cloud strategy for backup. I just like dicking around with stuff. And so, you know, when you do, when you do it, you roll it, you roll your own. Yep. You spend years. <laughs> Well, this is, but, but okay, hours and you. hours and hours messing with this stuff to get it to work, and it's so much fun. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but and I, okay, I mean, well, no, it's a I hobbyist mean, thing. It's a hobby. No, no, I, I listen. I'm with you. I get it. Yeah. Uh, except for one thing, this is your crucial data. You know, in my case, what's on my home server is not just all of my family's uh, digital photos, which is all of our photos right. from dating back to 2000 or whatever year we switched over. Uh, not just every single, you know, music and video file that I own, but all of my work-related files dating back to 1994 or 5 or whatever year it was. I mean, it's, well, it's not your only is. backup, though, is it? No, but that's my point. In other words, you want this data to be duplicated, but it's the central storage for all of it. Right. It's the central well, that's true. point. I no. use a NAS so, for that, but I, I do use a Linux NAS for that. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. So there are uh, And then I play advantages. with the plug stuff. Yeah. Like Amahi. When I, I love Amahi. You love what? Um, never mind. <laughs> I'm just okay. throwing. I'm throwing it out there for anybody just, who's listening just, who's curious what I'm talking about. Putting letters together to make fake words. <laughs> it's a it's a kind of sushi. Uh, Windows <laughs> right. Windows Home Server uh, has its own uh, remote access stuff, which is great. I I have trouble getting that to work because of the weird router that I have. So I use things like LogMeIn Hamachi to do that. Uh, Hamachi's cool. Another up. another good kind of sushi. Okay. But what this means to me though is when I'm when I'm at TechEd, this is one of those beautiful things. I I can do what I do at home, which is I create documents and for articles on my PC and I have all my work related files. You know, I create the graphics and all that stuff. When I complete a document of that kind, when I've published the article to the website, I have to get rid of it. You know, I have to get rid of all those things. And I put them in a folder 
and I move them up to the server, and then it just sits there. I don't really need it again, hopefully, but you know, sometimes you have to go back and look at whatever. But I have all this stuff, you know, dating back a decade or whatever or more. Um, that's what's on my home server. But when I'm on the road because of this Samachi VPN, I can do exactly the same thing. You know, in the old days, I would come back with a laptop from a trip and I would have to spend some huge amount of time copying the files that I had created while I was on the road, either to a external drive, which I would then plug into whatever computer or in more recent years, just over the network directly. And you would spend time managing this stuff that was part of the trip. You know, you got back and you weren't done. But when I came back from this trip, I was completely done. There's nothing extraneous on my laptop that I have to go file. It's all, all already been filed because I had network connectivity. And as far as my computer was concerned, I was connected to the local network, even though I was in Atlanta. Yeah, no, yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think that's just awesome. Yeah. Yep. So unlike the stuff you were talking about, this is a good news. <laughs> this works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works, right. Right. I mean, you can play all you want, but I'm just saying this is your crucial data. I mean, make sure right, if you're going right. to play with it, make sure it's okay, a copy. Okay, okay, okay. All right. All yeah. right. You win. Hey, uh, let's take a break. Come back. We're going to talk finally about that Intel uh, mm -hmm. dishing on, the, on Windows 8. And uh, you've got some mango news. It's a little mango tango coming up in just a little bit. But <laughs> okay. first netflix.com slash twit that's the place i want to send everybody to i have received the numbers and i have now confirmed my initial concern which is that every <laughs> single one of you who wanted to be a netflix customer already is so we appreciate your support and now i've changed i'm changing the pitch up sign up get your friends and family to sign up we know if, look if you're listening to a show like windows weekly or frankly anything on the twit network you're already a Netflix customer. You know, either you either you already are, or you've decided you don't want to be. But it's certainly nothing you don't know about. Netflix is that great DVD by mail system. You get your DVDs prepaid, return mailer, and the next one comes in uh, as little as one business day. It's just fantastic. Great movies like The King's Speech, Lawrence of Arabia, The Pianist, uh, documentaries that you won't see in the theater. Uh, classics like The Graduate. These are all available by disc, but then there's this new Watch Instantly feature. Maybe you don't know about I don't know. Perhaps you don't know about that, where many of these same movies are available to watch instantly. There's something like 169 family guys on here. So whenever I'm sitting down with a family and we want to watch uh, a TV show, I can, I, there's like, so there's 19, 10 years of family guys episodes on here. It's just awesome. I don't know. You probably think I'm crazy for letting my kids watch The Family Guy, but I think you're crazy for letting people see your actual Netflix. <laughs> We're off on the road to Bali. Um, Netflix is just fantastic. But see, here's the deal. I know you already know about it. So would you do me a favor? Tell mom, tell dad, tell sis and brother, all the people in your work and the people who might not know about the best way, you know, forget the video store. The best way to watch movies, not only get the discs, but to watch instantly is Netflix. And tell them to go to netflix.com slash twit for a 30-day trial. They don't probably know about that. 30 days free. Give it a try. The Netflix recommendations are fantastic. Because um, they, you know, you rate the movies you've seen. And then it says, ah, well, based on your interest in that, your taste preferences created this row, critically acclaimed documentaries. Because I do, I watch a lot of documentaries on Netflix. And then this gives you, a, these are things you can all watch right now. Ooh, 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 in the shadow of the moon. 
the history of the Apollo program. Now, that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. It uh, looks like disc only, but that's okay. I'll put that on the disc list. I still have the discs. I've been saying up to five discs. <laughs> I didn't know there's an eight-disc subscription. Yes. Eight discs. I don't, I know, I wouldn't do that. Ooh, the original Emmanuel. Remember that? Not for the children. <laughs> Not for the children. Uh, bread and tulips. What a classic that is. Some fantastic, those are the, those are the, oh, look, sci-fi, Lord of the Rings. Gold member. Yeah, baby. Hot tub every time James machine. Bond movie ever made is in there. Which one is that? Everyone. All of them. No, all everyone. The James Bond movies I thought you said the greatest one. Yeah, I know. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny because whenever I, I like, they have a, they have different selection suggestions, and there's one for like undersea dramas. I don't know why. And it's got Waterworld and Thunderball. I don't, I don't, I must have watched, I think I watched Jaws. Anyway, I was going to say, I'd have a hard time coming up with five of those, but okay. I know. <laughs> I love it. Netflix.com slash twit. Look. Oh, but the entire Battlestar Galactica the series. Entire the entire. Series. Coincidentally, I'm. I just started rewatching that on this very service. I am going to watch it uh, right, right from the beginning again. Yeah, this is. You know, it's been long enough. It's been a year. <laughs> Start over at the beginning. What a great show! Oh, and just this picture. I want this poster. Mm -hmm. I'm a teenage boy once again. This is the Farrah Fawcett poster. Oh my god! Yeah. Of the 21st century. Yep. Don't you want this on the wall? Well, you can get it on your TV via. PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, Nintendo Wii, Roku Box, many, many new Blu-ray players and DVD as well. Just, in fact, demand Netflix on your next device. Netflix.com slash twit. You reminded me. It's time for me to go back and watch the great Battlestar Galactica. All, well, especially, especially if you've been burned by Caprica. You know. I did get burned. I bought the first episode. I liked it. Yeah, it was great. And then it just went... Yeah, just to, yeah. All the air went out of that balloon. Wanted to love it, but wanted to, was ready to, didn't. No. Join Admiral Adama and the gang as they lead a ragtag fleet of human survivors, right. <clears throat> in search of a mythical planet called Earth. Now, see, I've thought that we lived on a mythical planet, but now I know. Don't ruin it, Leo. <laughs> but beware, the robot race of Cylons is in hot pursuit, and it seems nothing will stop them. <laughs> now that's how it should be read. <laughs> it's better than he's making it so. It's really great. And Trisha Helfer is a goddess. Yes. And I, you know, I just love it when the lights go up and down her back. That's all I can say. Let's move on to Intel... Mm -hmm. First of all, the backstory. Intel yeah. um, well, is, of course, dominant on desktops and laptops, but hasn't yeah. been able to get any ground on mobile devices. That's where ARM has succeeded. Now ARM is starting to inch into the Intel realm with tablets. Yes. And Microsoft right. fired a shot across Intel's bow saying, we're going to make yeah. Windows 8 run on ARM. Yeah, so that's a big deal, right? You know, Microsoft uh, during the NT days had various versions of Windows that ran on other platforms. But aside from that, and that was a really kind of a short-lived experiment, you know, um, Windows NT was originally designed to be platform agnostic. That was the deal. But, you know, it basically just all coalesced around the Intel stuff. The but I imagine that the portability is still there. In other words, it would be possible. For uh, you know what? I bet it's not as good as what you think. I, I <laughs> Maybe not. Well, you know, you spend... You, you, look... 
when confronted by the notion of improving the performance, I mean, you're going to use Intel assembler optimizations where you can. I mean, I, I think there's some work, but uh, regardless of that, uh, as the as the world is changing and we are moving away from these traditional desktops and laptops to more highly mobile devices, yes, you know, ARM has got a big footprint there. So Intel finally or ultimately finds itself on the receiving end of this need by Microsoft to move to these, you know, more mobile platforms. You know, Intel just doesn't have something that can compete or at least has done well in the market like ARM's chips. So this duopoly that has existed in the marketplace for, I mean, really 30 years, Intel, or uh, 25 years at least, um, Intel plus Microsoft, right? The so-called Wintel duopoly is threatened by this. So Microsoft made a big splash in CES saying we're going to port Windows 8, the, you know, the next version of Windows. They didn't call it Windows 8. They, they hate saying that. But when, the next version of Windows to ARM. So you have to think that was a little... A bit of a problem over in Intel land. Shot across the bow. Yeah, so this week, Intel had their annual investor meeting, and they spoke a little bit about uh, their expectations for Windows on ARM, and they revealed some details, maybe, uh, about uh, that ARM port and, and the problems associated with it. So in Intel's words, and I'll have to read this, they said uh, it's really going to be four separate ports because there were really different versions of ARM that Microsoft will have to write a different version of Windows 8 for each one of those ports. And if you're going to port any applications over, the assumption here would be that you'd have to port those too, that this is going to be a problem. Uh, they also said that the ARM version of Windows would lack a feature that the Intel versions of the x86 slash x64 versions would have, which is a Windows 7 compatibility mode. Now, that's the first time anyone's ever mentioned something like a Windows 7 compatibility mode for Windows 8. So that was news in a way, assuming it's true. So uh, this, thing's, <laughs> this thing kind of hung out in, in the air there for a couple hours, and then Microsoft actually issued a statement in which they said that Intel's uh, discussion about this was, uh, let's see if I get this right, factually inaccurate and unfortunately misleading. Oh, boy. Uh, they said that was Microsoft... It? I don't. Well, who knows? I mean, we don't know. So, uh, and we don't know which part of what they said was misleading or and or inaccurate, right? Microsoft says it has been clear about their goals and have emphasized that they are at the technology demonstration stage. As such, we have no further details or information at this time. So that's very unusual. Microsoft has been very quiet about the next version of Windows. You know, they had that one product announcement, but they really don't like to talk about what their plans are. And they have an event planned in September where they will talk about this stuff. But my expectation for Windows 8 goes something like this. I think that I think there is going to be a single ARM version of Windows 8. I think that if you are going to target ARM uh, with a Windows-compatible application, which you would do, I'm sure, through Microsoft's normal Visual Studio tools, that you will have one executable that will run on any ARM platform. That's my expectation. I don't really think there are going to be four different ones or whatever. I don't think that's true. Um, I think that they're going to offer you a dual-mode executable where you can create this thing that either creates the two different ones or creates one... Uh, executable that will run on either platform. I think that that's how that will work. I do believe that not all backwards compatible Windows programs will run on the ARM versions of Windows. But I think that that's okay because one thing Intel hinted at, which I do believe is true, is that the ARM versions are specifically designed for special situations, not for mainstream PCs and laptops, but for this new generation of ultra-mobile devices, like ta essentially tablets, but also other devices, but 
primarily tablets. The idea being that on those systems, you will have this Windows phone style, you know, tile-based UI that's very touch-centric and that it's designed around that kind of experience. Yes, it will run Microsoft Office if you need it to do that. And, and of course, when you want to be able to do something like that, you hopefully you're connected to a keyboard and a mouse, you know, like a normal computer. And I think it will support that dual mode. But I think that when you're out and about with the tablet, what Microsoft expects is that you'll use it like a like you use an iPad today. I think that's I think that's the plan. Now, th- this is just speculation on my part, but I, that's how I sort of see it. So this news of a uh, Windows Seven compatibility mode is kind of interesting. Um, and it makes sense, uh, you know, yeah. i.e. that, you know, the ARM versions of Windows won't just run existing apps. Now, if you're a, a company or a person who's created Windows apps, I think it's going to be very easy to port them to ARM. But I think you may have to port them to ARM uh, in some cases for them to run on ARM versions of Windows 8. So, you know, we'll see how they brand it all. I mean, they, they also talked about multiple. Well, no, that was the bit before. So you know, this notion that there are going to be multiple versions. Obviously, there are going to be multiple product editions. So it's going to be curious, uh, I'll be curious to see how they brand, um, you know, these ARM versions of Windows. Hopefully, it's not horrible, <laughs> you know. Uh, hopefully, they have a cool name for it, but uh, we'll see. I like ARM. <laughs> I think there's something with ARM. I, you know, like golden to, ARM. Yeah, you know, when you think, uh, again, I, I wrote Another this in Bond that, reference, by the way. The article, yeah, yeah. Well, my um, Apple names Mac OS X by these, uh, these uh, animal Lion names, right? and tiger. Like, lion and tiger, it's nice. It, the thing has a version number, right? 10.7 or whatever they're at now. Um, but it's lion, it's called lion. You know, that's how people think of it. Right. You know, micro, Microsoft had a name like that for a little while, Longhorn, right? Great name. Then, great name. Um, uh, they had a technology called Avalon. Great name. Yeah. You know, yeah. now Avalon is called uh, essentially Windows Presentation Foundation. Oh, Terrible crap. name. Terrible name. WPA. Um, yeah. So hopefully they'll do something cool. With that's just things. that's engineer driven, I think. Yeah, it's terrible. As opposed to marketing driven. And you know what? We should celebrate. There was a time when I would celebrate engineer driven as opposed to marketing driven. <laughs> I always celebrate engineer driven. Yeah. I don't know what's happened to me. I've turned into a... Uh, Curmudgeon. No, the opposite. Like, uh, <laughs> like some... like mainstream non-geek norm i've become a straight you become a straight i'm a normie you're like a suit i'm a suit i'm a bean counter you're the man i'm the the man not the good kind of man (laughs) bad kind of man (laughs) although we all agree that the as as uh web 9457 aptly named in our chat room says the best microsoft name of all time bpos Right. Which well, is, give them some credit. So the new version of this is Office 365, and that's a fine. That's a good name. Yeah. That's actually, that is, let's give them credit. That right? is a good name. Business like Productivity name. Online Suite. Are you kidding me? <laughs> BPOS. You are actively telling people not to adopt this. <laughs> you know, I, seriously, just ignore that. Whatever that thing is, pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. All right, let's talk I'm about sorry. Mango, because I we want to get excited about Windows Phone again. Yeah. Yeah. So over time, you know, new features about Mango have uh, become unveiled. Next week on Tuesday, uh, on Tuesday, yes, on Tuesday, Microsoft is going to have a Mango event in New York City. I'll be attending that, uh, at which I expect they will reveal all the consumer-oriented features. So this past week at Teka, they announced the uh, some of the new business-oriented features. There have been separate leaks uh, that have gone out um, as well, uh, which has been very interesting. 
And uh, so we should discuss that. So let me, I, I need to bring up my pull up uh, your uh, pull up your notes because this is a this is a lot of stuff. I should have had this ready. Ah, take your time. Yeah, you know the world's ending tomorrow anyway. What's the difference exactly? What's the difference? People, yes, yes. This, no one will ever see this show. I just told this story um, when I got into this business. Uh, the guy who got me into this business was a, a teacher, instructor, and he was writing something on the board and whatever the. It was a C++ programming class, and someone said, I don't understand why we have to do this, you know? And without turning, his, without turning to face the cry, he was writing on the board. He just stopped writing. He didn't turn around, but he said, why do anything? You're just going to die. <laughs> and then he just continued writing, and I thought, That's, that is so beautiful. <laughs> that's an engineer you know, for you. That's beautiful. That's engineering speak. By so the way, I'm told by Andrew in our uh, chat room. <laughs> yes. That Microsoft's sending actual mangoes in the mail. Did you get your mango yet? I did not. There's an actual to invite you to the event. There's an actual there are actual well, based, mangoes. So based, based on the uh, relationship I have now with the Windows Phone, you're not going to get a mango. The, the, no, I will, but it will be rotted. And yeah, uh, why would we send the guy who wrote the book uh, anything? Yeah, no, of course. Send him a so, rotten tomato instead. Exactly. <laughs> so what they announced this past week at TechEd was uh, you know, a bunch of new features. So there's going to be a, a link, instant messaging, and, and presence client. So if you can imagine just instant messaging, essentially, um, that's what that's going to look like. And the link being Microsoft's um, enterprise or business-oriented um, communications tool. It's actually not just messaging on the PC. You also get video chat, video conferencing, whiteboard sharing, uh, document application, and desktop sharing, a bunch of other features, phone call integration, all that kind of stuff. It's really cool. But on the phone, it's basically just IM and, uh, and presence. Um, Office 365 integration into the redesigned Office Hub, which looks awesome. Um, some nice new email uh, features like Conversation View, which is a feature from, uh, from the Outlook client. Um, new IT controls, meaning such things as... Uh, Exchange Active Sync um, policy improvements. They don't have everything. I mean, you know, they don't have um, encryption, but they've added uh, support for complex passwords. I think it was so. That's neat. Um, on the leak side, uh, there have been some guys, uh, Ryan and Travis Slaughtermilk, who um, uh, they do the Windows Phone Dev Podcast, and they've gotten some amazing information about Mango, which they've shared with me and others. And the most recent revelation included things like uh, Facebook chat and windows live messenger integration into a an sms style interface on the phone which if you think about it is kind of a cool way to do that right you know how text messaging works on a phone so if you're going to do other things online that are like text messaging why not just use the same interface right why have a dedicated client you know uh, i have a sure a messenger client over here an AOL client over here or whatever you know chat client over here uh facebook chat client over here you know why why have a bunch of different things why not just integrate them all into the same client, uh, messaging client. That's actually a really good idea. So that's going to be part of Mango. Um, messaging that kind groups. of fits the overall um, thrust, it strikes me, of Windows Phone 7, which is yep. collate right. into hubs yep. various things. Because you use all of these kind of simultaneously. It makes perfect sense to collate into a kind of yeah. some sort of messaging hub. Right. Yeah, the iPhone solution, such as, it was, were, such as it is, would be to have multiple applications for all right. of those different things. You know, Windows Phone has these hubs where you have one location for all these different things that are related, right? And so that makes a lot of sense. I like that. Um, the Games Hub has been completely redesigned. looks beautiful, and they have an integrated uh, Games Marketplace now, which is great. Um, they've made some improvements to the lock screen uh, around, uh, you know, when you've got media playing and it goes to the lock screen, you can interact with that and see the album art on the lock screen and all that stuff. So 
A lot of good stuff. If you spend some time on my Windows Phone uh, Secrets blog, you, you'll, find, you'll see links to the couple of um, separate revelations that those guys have made, as, as well as um, links to their own podcast, which is good. So you, should, you can check all that stuff out. So, you know, Mango is looking great. I mean, for all of the, the, the whining and complaining, and I've been a big part of that, of course, about Microsoft's slowness, which is very real, when you look at what they're doing in Mango... I like it, right? I mean, I, I like what I see. I, I, I think the cynical view is, you know, maybe they should have had all this stuff a year ago when they uh, first released the uh, platform. Fair enough. But, you know, at least they're catching up. And it looks like Mango is going to be the release of Windows 7 that we all wanted and hoped for and, and expected, you know, uh, late last year. So, I, I, I you know, again, uh, there's been a lot of complaining, but I really like what I see uh, coming there. So it looks good. That's it, huh? Nothing more. Yeah, that's it. It looks it's good. Lot, it's a mango. It's good. Be good. I like it. We are. We, uh, I'm sorry. I'm so out of touch. Have they spread <laughs> to other spread. other carriers? Yes. Well, yeah. So, have we got uh, the Verizon Windows Phone yet? Not yet. Uh, it's coming okay. next week. Next week. Next week. So, uh, at launch, there were phones on AT and T and T Mobile, right? Yes, and month or two ago, there was a Sprint phone. And next week, on the 26th, we're finally getting the Verizon phone. This thing has been sitting waiting in the wings for months. I mean, well, I... Now, unfortunately, first... it's hard to get real excited about these handsets because they're so similar. Because, to their it's credit, little... Microsoft set a kind of a standard. Yeah. A yeah, reference. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but I, but I sure. can't say, oh, look, this one's going to have the super-duper high-res... This is not next-gen anything. It's, right. Yeah, it's the same. It, but it's, it's on, on Verizon. It's on Verizon. So... The primary selling point of this thing is it's on Verizon. So if you're on Verizon, you've been waiting, the HTC Trophy will be available next week. It doesn't offer anything that isn't available already on these other phones, but uh, there's one on AT&T. The one I'm interested in is coming on, I'm sorry, on Verizon, is coming on uh, AT&T on June 5th. And that is an updated version of the HTC HD7, which was previously available in the U.S. only on T-Mobile. The upgraded version is called the HD7S. And... I think I think there are going to be storage allotment choices, if I'm not mistaken. But the big change is apparently the screen. So the HD7 today is the biggest Windows Phone 7 device from a screen standpoint. It's got the biggest screen. It's very similar to the, I think it was called the HD2, which was that Windows Mobile 6.5 phone. It's a big slab. You know, it's the, it's the big screen version. But I guess this one has some kind of new screen technology. And I, I don't know if it's a... Uh, it's been described by some people as being something akin to Gorilla Glass in the sense that you don't need to get a case for it or protect it in any way. It's supposed to be very hardened. And I believe there are going to be some uh, uh, so some technologies in there that make it appear to be very bright and vibrant, like an OLED-type screen or like a, like the screen on the Samsung Focus if you're used to that. So I want to see that one. That That's one I would consider getting um, just to check out something new. I've been using the the Focus you know, since, since it launched. Yeah, I'm kind of ready for something else. Yeah, I mean, on the other hand... Uh, I like HTC stuff. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Yeah. On the other hand, what? Well, I mean, obviously, we've got Mango coming in the fall. And so Mango should I wait? Be, well, that's the thing. So Mango will be accompanied by these second-gen devices. Now, Can, can I upgrade existing ones to Mango? Yes. Yeah. Everyone who has a Windows phone today will get Mango, but these new devices will have some additional hardware features that may not be available on existing phones. Uh, for example, like a Compass you know, is one of the ones that could be. Now, not everyone will implement a compass, but it's a possibility. So we're going to have to wait and see. Maybe they'll be. Maybe next week they'll talk about this. Maybe not. But 
you know, these second-gen devices could have some improvements. So there should also be lower-end devices because they're letting in uh, different kinds of processor types that are going to enable smaller, lighter, thinner, et cetera, type phones. So the Windows phone market is going to expand out, not just up market, but also just kind of out generally uh, to, to accommodate other device form, not form factors, but, you know, sizes and so forth. So um, I'm curious to see how that evolves. Maybe, maybe next week we'll, we'll be uh, given some news about that. I hope so. All right. Um, Alrighty. Alrighty. Did you, did you see how many phones have been sold and how do we know? Yeah, this is uh, Gartner's estimation, is I guess, or estimate. Yeah. Gartner's going to, I mean, this is not like Joe Bob making a, a guess. I mean, it's, you know, they, they have a handle on what's out there. I expect IDC to do a similar rating for what the handset sales were like in the first quarter of uh, 2011. Obviously, what we see here is um, Android at the top, uh, you know, company or uh, platforms like Symbian and uh, Rim Blackberry taking huge falls. I mean, absolutely huge falls. Um, iPhone making gains, Android making gains. And then in number five, and by the way, number five, <laughs> like not even close to number four, I mean, way down there in number five, almost even with everyone else combined is uh, Microsoft's, you know, Windows phones. And they sold 1.6 million, or I should say Microsoft's partners, right? Wireless carriers uh, primarily, but also the hardware makers who sell them directly sold an estimated 1.6 million Windows phone handsets in the first quarter. So, that's strong enough for, you know, fifth place out of five, essentially. I mean, depending on the account. But um, I think the figure to look at here is, well, A, it's it's much bigger than that 160,000 figure that some Russian guy was throwing around a couple of weeks back. Um, but more, more to the point, we've talked about the need for Microsoft to grab the number three spot is, is my, where I'd like to see Windows Phone at least, right? Uh, that I think the market can sustain at least three, possibly four major wireless platforms or uh, mobile platforms and that Microsoft needs to be part of that top bit. If you look at the Symbian figure, they, they had a huge drop off quarter over quarter and will continue to do so. You know, the question here is going to be what percentage of Symbian or Nokia customers are going to go to Windows Phone? You know, which, what percentage of these people are going to continue with Nokia but adopt Windows Phone as that becomes nokia's uh, platform and I, I think it's going to be a, a small percentage relatively speaking um but you know if it would if it were to be in the 20 to 30 or possibly higher percentile of symbian's customers today that's still uh, well above what they need to get into the number three spot especially when you consider that rim is going to continue falling as well so they've got that going for them if you will so it's kind of small compared to what android and uh, Apple are selling, obviously, but definitely in the game. And I, I, I really, I see a lot of upside for Windows Phone. So I think, I think long run, they're still going to be okay. Cool. It's exciting for you because you wrote the book. I did write the book. Wonder, wonder, who, 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 who wrote the book of Windows Phone so this, 7? <laughs> you know, this is off, the, or this is something that's not on the, uh, the list. Please, good. <laughs> Thank you. Because I'm anything. singing. Just anything to distract, please. Move right along. Just, just to stop you from talking. Just to stop uh, me, yes, <laughs> before I sing again. I, you know, obviously Windows Phone is not a blockbuster seller. Likewise, my book has not enabled me to retire early as I had planned. 
But one of the questions that arises is, as Windows Phone does change, obviously Mango is a big change. I need to figure out how I'm going to support that from the standpoint of the book. I don't believe I'm going to be able to convince uh, Wiley to do a second edition of the book, although that would be my primary, it would be my first choice if that was possible. Um, but if that's not possible, and I expect it not to be possible, uh, what I think I would do, and in keeping with that crowdsourced, um, you know, how Microsoft can fix Microsoft thread, um, what I'd like to do is create a PDF, preferably using Wiley's template, right? I'll ask them for permission, of course. Uh, before I do this, where it will basically be an additional extra long chapter of the book that would focus on the changes in Mango. And then I could put um, versions of the chapter up and have people review it and suggest changes until I arrive at what is sort of a final version of it. It will be kind of a live uh, document that I can uh, create that people can use. So if you bought the book or if you didn't, you know, and you're looking for something that will document the changes between the first version of Windows Phone 7 and the Mango version. Um, I will at least do something like that. So um, that's something to look for in the next, uh, well, see what happens next week and I'll see when and if I can start working on something like that. But I'd like to do something along those lines. Cool. Assum assuming Wiley says, yeah, you sold like 17 copies of this book. Is um, this the time when I'm supposed to remind you, Paul, about the pain and suffering the last book caused and say, don't, don't do it again? Yeah. So... As you know, See, he's not um, listening, folks. I, I have uh, the memory of a gerbil. It's like pregnancy. And, if you remember right, so, childbirth, you wouldn't do it again. I, I'm not going to go back and fix anything in the first book because, as you know, it's perfect. Right. But what I am going to do is <laughs> it just it would be like a chapter. I'm not talking about writing a, a book, like a new book. It's going to be if you look at the typical length of a chapter in the existing book, I would guess this thing will be that length or up to twice that length. It won't be a book. It will be. And just, just remember. You yep. have to get this done before November. Yep. That's a chapter. I mean, how could I not write a chapter by November? You just have to get this. I'm going to say what, it again. What, what could go wrong? Modern Warfare 3 comes out in November. That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the limiting factor, right? You've got to get it yeah. done before then. I'm just saying. Leo, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing because uh, much, you know... The, there would be no books if uh, computer book authors remembered how painful. If people only remembered how horrible right. this is. Yeah. There would be no books. Well, actually, I'm thinking it might be kind of fun because, like I said, if I if I do it in uh, collaboration kind of with other people, um, you know, if people have a chance to provide feedback and so forth about the structure of it and the topics that I'm I guess saying, could, this is how it starts with this kind of yeah, rationalization. Yeah. I see no downside to this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just teasing you. Plus, you know, the, 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 um, the money will be incredible. <laughs> I'm so. sorry. You shouldn't have said that. I think milk just shot out of my nose. I'm sorry. I'm all about making money, Larry. Oh, Lord. Let us, uh, we got, a, we got a, I think, one of the most exciting Windows phone picks of all time coming up in just a bit. But before we do that, you've been holding on. I have. You have been holding on for so long, and now you can finally release. Let me tell you how long I've been holding just on. Just let it this. go. The Audible pick of the millennium. <laughs> Back in, when was it? March? Was it I went to March? France for a week in March and I visited friends. And my friend Fabrice recommended this book to me then. So that's how long it's been. Does Fabrice know that he is um, an odor-killing product in the United States? That's Fabrice. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. It comes up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your name in America... <laughs> Well, you have to, you know, it's there are many differences between France and the United States, of course. Yes, there but are. One of one them thing would they be don't that, do in France is kill odors of any kind. 
Right. And also, um, they don't have guys named Steve, but they do have guys named Fabrice. So <laughs> you don't see a lot of Fabrices here in the United States. Etienne. So, Oddly enough, I know two people named Fabrice in, in France, but there you go. There you go. Actually, uh, apparently, I'm told, I yes. don't know this off the top of my head, but Web 6891, again, aptly named, says that Fabrice was one of the Millie Vanillis. There is evidence to support that claim. and um, <laughs> We don't know because he... He lip synced the whole thing. Right. I hope he listens to this one. <laughs> <laughs> so let us uh, pick an audible book. So let me, before we do that, just you tell might you. get a chance to meet him. He's going to be here in June. Oh, dear. Uh, I'm sorry, Fabrice. Everything I said, I take back. Audible.com, a great place to go for audio books, 70,000 plus at last count. And they go up all the time because not only does Audible get the best audio books from all the biggest publishers, they also record their own. They've built nine state-of-the-art studios in the Audible offices in beautiful downtown Newark, New Jersey. Mm. And they are recording like gangbusters. One of the things that they've done is they've got this Audible Frontiers series. If you're a sci-fi fan, you'll be very glad about that because uh, Audible realized that so many of the great sci-fi books were never recorded. Right. Because in those days, these were pulp fiction. You know, readers didn't have cassette recorders. There were no way for the. So now they're going back and they are collecting the greatest sci-fi classics and recording them in wonderful you remind, modern You're reminding recordings. me of Tor books. You know, the, yeah, uh, remember Tor? Yeah. Tarzan in space. Yeah. They actually, I don't know if they have Tarzan, but they have some classic kind of, you know, pulp fiction sci-fi mm -hmm. recorded. It's just so much fun to listen. In any event, I, I just want you to check it out. A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com. If you go to audible.com slash windows, you can get the uh, sign up for the gold account trial. It's a 30-day free trial. That means your first book is free and yours to keep forever. You can cancel it any time, so you're n there's no obligation here. And it's nice just to listen to one book just to see if this is for you. Audible.com slash windows. And uh, Paul's picked a book for us to listen to. Well, for, yeah, Fabrice has picked a book. Fabrice. Uh, yeah, he asked me if I had read, read anything by this author being Michael Conley, and I said, no, I never really, I mean, sort of, it's impossible to go to a bookstore and not be aware of this oh, guy, yeah. right? Because yeah. he has so many books, but um, apparently he is a former uh, crime reporter from LA, uh -huh. and so he turned uh, into a novelist, and of course he has all this awesome background, uh, you know, in knowing how these things really work. And so this is the first of what is a very long series of crime detective novels starring uh, Harry Bosch. Uh, is it kind of so noirish? It feels yeah, noirish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe because yep. it's called The Black Echo. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they all take place in L.A. And, and, oh, you know, I love it. So, I love yeah, L.A. noir. So, yeah. So this is the first one and yeah. um, uh, the obvious place to start. So. Passy K9 says, Michael Conley's the man. Very good pick, Paul. The reviews are in. We get reviews of our picks now within seconds. In real time. In real time, thanks to the fabulous chat room. Right. It's like Silence of the Lambs or the Reporter, <laughs> says Tom Mahomes. There you go. I love it. All right. Yep. Well, good. Good pick. So this is yours free. Just go to audible.com slash windows and uh, sign up for that gold account. And your first month's free. Your first book's free. Cancel at any time, but it's yours to keep forever. Audible plays back on everything that you have. All the eye devices the Zoom, the Kindle. In fact, the new Kindle, you know, I just got the uh, the new advertising-based Kindle, which they say is the best, so, the fastest-selling Kindle ever. Audible need, books two, show up in your archive. I need two I have two questions about this product. Yes. Because I'm considering this myself. One is, tell me about the ads, and are they relevant and so forth? And two, is this thing Wi-Fi only, or does it have 3G? It is Wi-Fi only. 
So that might be a problem. And the ads only show up. And you know the nice woodcuts that you get on a normal Kindle? That's where the ads yeah. show up. And then there's a little yep. small banner at the be the menu. You never shows up in the books. Just on the homepage. Just on the homepage. Just and on the menu on and, the, the, and on, the, on the sleep page. And they're fine. I, I didn't even, to be honest. Yeah. And this, this is probably why Audible only the, gives you like 20 bucks off. I don't even know what the ads are for. I just, they look kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I just want different content on the front page, you know, when I pick the device up. So it'd it does. be exciting just for that. It's an ad. Because those woodcut pictures are great, but they really haven't changed. No, in a there's while. only a handful of them. So this this yeah. th these change regularly. It is Wi-Fi yeah. only. I, I, you know, it's the new uh, Kindle, so it's that nice form factor. And yeah. I, I don't know if they're going to do this. Maybe I haven't updated the software in the older ones. I don't know, but I hope they do this in all the Kindles. But your Audible library shows up. I have not seen that. That's interesting. And because the Kindle will play back Audible, so you know right. you can just Wi-Fi or I guess 3G. You probably might not want to, but 3G. Uh, uh, I guess you would. It's the same about the same size as a. It'd be interesting if there was some no, future better. Audible plus Kindle integration where you could have the book and the Audible version. I want Whisper Sync. I know where you're going with this. I want it yeah. to say, you've read this far. It, yeah, and have, right. Or switch between here. them. I in other words, you really listen like to Audible that. in the car, but when you're at home, maybe you read it and it's the same book and you go back and forth. Yeah. Sync them up. Leo, we have the technology. We can. Well, I don't know. Do we have the technology? <laughs> no, it's not there yet, but I'm saying. It we seems have technology. Like I don't know if we have the it technology. It seems like that's something that could happen. Audible.com like <laughs> Audible.com slash Windows. Give it a try today. I think you'll like it. And now, the best, the finest, the most wonderful Windows phone <laughs> pick we have ever had. Wow. That's quite a claim. Actually, I'm not even sure that's true, Leo, but thank you for that. <laughs> so, I don't have my, whole, my full slate of picks and tips this week because I was away all week and it was just too hectic. But what I do have is a Windows phone app pick, which is my own app, my official kind of Paul Thrott app. Woohoo! Uh, yay! My <laughs> own kind of, app. Did you write this? No. No. Dimitri wrote it, right? Oh, Dimitri, Dimitri did it. The, uh, the Twit app, yeah. Dimitri does the great uh, Twit app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was modeled after that, uh, shamelessly ripped off from that. Really. Oh, no. Uh, Dimitri, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he did a great job, and, 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 you know, especially having to deal with the folks at Penton and all that stuff. We wanted to get it done by TechEd, and it was funny. I showed up on the TechEd show floor you know they have a conference floor like at other trade shows and they had, they had this huge poster of me you know like the app it was like a picture of a windows phone and it was very <laughs> it's very strange i didn't know they were doing i saw that i saw your tweet or whatever yeah that. and yeah, i just facebook, thought that's yeah. yeah facebook i thought that was so great i just love that it was just weird because i walked around the corner and it's just you know, imagine seeing a poster yourself i mean it was just a <laughs> oh i, I just have did, of course wait I mean, do you have a uh wait do you have a life-size cutout of yourself in overalls there you go. Yeah, That's when just, I knew I had made it big. It's strange. Yeah. So what is on so, this? It's the Paul Thorat yeah. Pocket Tech app. Besides a picture of you drinking coffee from a mug. <laughs> right. So there is that, of course. But, uh, yeah, so there's a bunch of different things in it, some of which is available just publicly on the web. So this is a way to get at it in a mobile form. But, but there's also some unique uh, content that's specific to the app. So there's a, there's a you know, it's a, it's a Windows 7 app, right? So you get those different columns. You can swivel between each of the different views. So the views that we have in the app are featured, which is an analog. If you look at my website, you know, we've got that main list of text in the middle, which is all the recent stuff. And then over on the right, there are these promotional graphics for certain articles, you know, usually the, the five latest articles or whatever. Um, those are represented in this. Those are actually called featured articles uh, with internally at Penton. But um, so we have a featured column in the app and that's, has nice graphics for each of those. So those are the, I think there's actually seven or ten of them in the app, not five. But uh, 
recent, you know, high promotion, uh, super site specific articles. Um, there's a recent column and that actually aggregates content from three different Penton feeds. It's everything on the super site for windows, everything on the super site blog and everything I wrote separately for windows it pro. And that includes a weekly commentary that I do as well as anything that appears in the print magazine. And you can actually choose which of those to display. So if you only wanted to see the super site stuff, you could actually get rid of the other stuff you can, you can choose. And that all appears in that recent uh, column. And I just turn the app off like an idiot. So I'll go back to it. <laughs> um, I'll try to go back to it. Oh, Windows phone. Why have you failed me? So um, I don't know. Somehow email came up, even though I clicked my own app. Uh, there's all, <laughs> it's just, you know, you're all thumbs I, when you're on the air. I know. There's, a, there's an exclusive column, and that's actually, it's, it's, uh, it's a feed of its own. It's, it doesn't appear anywhere in the web, and it's, um, it's, it's going to be exclusive to the mobile app. And uh, it's basically Twitter-style posts, if you will. Some of them are clickable, meaning there's a hyperlink associated with them. It will load the, whatever article I'm commenting on. And that's something I update throughout the day. So there should always be three or five or six or seven or whatever you know, little posts that go into this exclusive um, uh, feed essentially. And that's something again, that is literally exclusive to the app. Um, there's a phone column and that's for my windows phone secrets blog, as you would expect. And then there's a podcast uh, column and that's for our windows weekly stuff. So um, as with the twit app, you can listen to or watch the audio and or video versions of our podcast. So that's all available inside the app. Fantastic. I'm so happy for you. And now, now Ladies and gentlemen, you can say what you've always wanted to say. Or is that Paul Thorat in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? Is that, is, that, is that what you said? It is what I said. Okay, I'll just check. I, 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 I read by, that right. Stand by that comment. <laughs> well, that comment, yes. So for those who are wondering, eventually we're going to have iPhone and Android versions. Uh, we're actually working on those now. So sometime this summer. Um, oh, that, that'll be, be good. I'd like that. There'll be more Paul to go, as we say. More Paul to go. And then hopefully Penton will do more of this stuff. I'd like to see, I mean, we have a lot of awesome content at, at Windows IT Pro in particular, and hopefully um, this is the beginning of something for these guys. Um, we move slowly sometimes, Leo, but... Come on, let's let's admit it. There's yeah. no one there at Penton. It's just Paul Therott. That's just, it's just you. Oh, no, I, I can assure you there's a lot of people there at Penton. Oh. It's, a, <laughs> it's a very big company. But, oh, okay. Yeah. You're the only one I've ever heard of. Sure. No, no, we, we actually, we have a lot of seriously big names in the IT pro community. Uh, oh, all right. Absolutely. I'm just teasing them. I don't want to get in trouble with anybody. It's okay. <laughs> Paul Penton Media, the rot. Paul's site is the super site for Windows, winsupersite.com. Do check it out. Did you redesign? I did. Every time I go there, it looks different. No, no, this is going to be it for a while. I, want, I was not happy with the complexity of the I like site. this. It's clean. Said, yeah, I said, look, we've got this mobile app coming out. This thing has to look right. It should be all, you know, uh, styled the same and, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So. No, this is good. And you know what? It's funny because I'm sure you have the same number of ad units, but it feels like there's more content here. Yep. Yep. It was too busy. Yeah. It just, I mean, this, it's, and some people might complain. Oh, it's so text heavy. No, I'm looking for that on a site. I want to see all these <laughs> No, what people these complain about our ads, you know, and as I... Uh, as I said to one guy, you know, I said I would give just once I would give and, and I don't want this email. So please, please don't listen to this and then do it. But I would I, I'd love for someone to write me and say, you know, I actually really like your stuff. And uh, I occasionally click on the ads because I know you actually get paid that way. Right, and right. Uh, I know that you're not just doing this as a charity. 
But, you know, you, of course, you get people who complain about the ads. And it's like, I'm sorry. You know, I, I don't really, I you have, have nothing to, have to do no, with that. Have I, I, I have, have always ads. fought for less. And, uh, and I you know, I'm going to show you what a big man I say am. Yeah. Because you there used to be a nice big picture of you in the podcast and, you know, what the next show is and all that stuff. And that's been. No, 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 no. That's no, no, it's there. in so, the podcast. I know it's under, no, it's under the menu. No, 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 no. Hold on. See the fixed Microsoft graphic? Yeah. There will be a picture of you and I there any day now because once this one goes live, that's where that will appear. Oh, okay. The only reason it's not there is that since we did the last podcast, I've written enough articles that it's been pushed. Uh, oh, I see. So that's good, yeah. actually. Oh, no. There will always be one there. Don't worry about it. Oh, that. that's good. So so really what this is is the most recent stuff. By the way, here's the That's fix. right. Yeah. yeah. The most recent stuff that that's on, from the super site. Yeah. I, I, I'm re- Oh, see, there it is. The Windows Weekly Podcast. That's good. Yeah. All right. And I, but I was going to be a gentleman and not say a thing. I mean, I, I it's fine. You know, I don't know. Leo, you... Uh, your call is very important to me. <laughs> Please hold. <laughs> <laughs> and if you wait long enough, you will be back at the top of my site. Your call is very important to me. <laughs> Paul, your show is very important to me. That's why I came in on my day off Friday to, to do this show with you. I thank you for letting us reschedule. You do know that normally we do it. I know you know, Paul, but I'm telling the others. <laughs> we normally do this show. I hope you know. Thursdays, schedule, yes. <laughs> 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, live.twit.tv. You can always subscribe after the fact, twit.tv slash dubdub for Windows Weekly. Twit.tv slash www has a link to all the places you can find it. We have high and low quality video. Actually, did, let me rephrase that. All the videos of excellent quality, but we have large and small videos. <laughs> it's pretty much all low, really. It's <laughs> all sucks. Uh, we have... <laughs> We have audio as well for those of you who uh, find it easier to listen to Paul than actually look at him. All it's of that. Really understandable. <laughs> no, no. Teasing you. In fact, Paul, you're looking. Especially this week. As you lose weight, your eyeballs are getting bigger. I just want to say. My goal is to be like one of those anime kids, you know, with the. <laughs> you're a keen. Actually, I'm using Microsoft's uh, camera tools. I could probably make that happen right now. No, no, but... no, no. I, I, I don't want to have nightmares. But, oh, what was I supposed to ask him? I just see in the chat room. Ask Paul. Ask Paul. Do you know yeah. about Liquid Fridays? Is that what it is? No. Liquid ask Fridays. him, please, says Caffeine Free Dave. But what should I ask him, Caffeine Free Dave? <laughs> it just says ask him. Ask him. I don't know. Come on, Leo. I'm dying to know if you have problems with your Xbox dashboard update. I haven't gotten it yet. I keep turning the thing on. All right, so we didn't discuss this. Microsoft is in the process of releasing a Xbox 360 dashboard update. The only two things I know that are in it are... Uh, some form of a standby mode, which provides um, like a better power management, essentially, like it will go to sleep after an hour. And then the other thing is they're enabling PayPal functionality, which is awesome because I, I have so many different, um, uh, you know, Windows Live accounts that are associated with the Xbox 360. There's a weird thing with Microsoft's accounts where you can't have the same credit card across different accounts. So every time I try to pay for anything, it always denies me. So my son and I have been taken to going uh, to Best Buy to buy those Microsoft point cards anytime we want to do anything because it's the only way we can get money into the account. And so using PayPal would actually be pretty great. I bet that will work fine. So I'm looking forward to it. But I, every time I turn it on, you know, there's no way to manually check for an update on the 360, at least not that I'm aware of. Um, but the way it works is if, you're, if it's ready to go onto your console, you'll get it when you turn the machine on. It will tell you, you know, you need to install the update. So they're rolling it out across uh, you know all the different 360s so i haven't seen it yet i'll have to check i haven't you know i have two 360s in the house and i haven't checked yeah i mean plus the one with the red ring i don't think that that one will update no 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 by the way so uh there's i don't know if this is the update or a coming update they're going to change the file format on xbox 360 game discs and that file format will allow uh, i think another gigabyte 
gigabyte really? of space on a what is essentially a DVD disc. And some older consoles are not compatible with this new format. So there's, a, I don't know if it's a rumor or an actual story, but Microsoft apparently is going to be replacing those consoles for users so that they can, I don't know if they get a new console or refurbished one or whatever it is, but they'll be able to play the new format if you're not compatible. That's pretty cool too, I'm assuming it's true. Paul, thank you. I'll let you go. Okay. But I will at, take this opportunity to remind everyone that each and every brick purchased at bricks.twit.tv goes to a very good home. Do a I home? get an honorary brick? Is yeah, well, like a, and I haven't told Lisa this, but I will do, tell do you Do you now. make me, do I have to pay for this? I mean, what, what's the no, story? No, you don't get a brick. Take it out of a check or something? <laughs> yeah, we'll take it out of your massive check. <laughs> yeah, you know. No, um, Lisa says, I can do that, yeah. No, what, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she can, yeah. What off. I plan to do is paint, you know how it, when you have a new construction project, you have a plaque on the wall that says, you know, when yeah. it was inaugurated or built or whatever and who built it. And then there'll be, a, a, you know, Twit staff members, which is 17, I think, at the, as of this time. And then yeah. underneath that, Twit hosts. So you'll certainly be on there. And that, and that by the way... something where uh, people can wipe their feet on it as they walk in the door? I think or people want to pose next to it, point, yeah. pointing at your name. Yeah, right. Or well, we finger. will buy you a brick and deduct it from your check if you want. Thanks, Thanks a lot. You guys are the best. <laughs> Hey, it's 128 bucks. Don't be such a cheapskate. That's such a huge percentage of my check. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. We might, we have, might to have to take two out. checks. Yeah, spread yeah. it out over <laughs> over a three or four pay periods. I would like, I would like a brick, I guess. <clears throat> we'll get you a brick. Yeah. I shouldn't say this. I hope Dick DiBartolo's not listening. <laughs> the, the whole idea here is to raise money uh, because it, uh, no, no. it we have this fabulous studio we're building, which you will benefit from, Paul. Because I can't wait to benefit from this. You will actually. You won't benefit from it. But yeah, everybody cool. else will. Okay. Um, but we have three three stops. Maybe Penton would like to have a brick with the Penton logo. I can't even imagine who I'd have to talk to to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just give you my uh, corporate Amex number, and I'll yeah. There you go. We'll just charge it. Then I'll get the phone call. Like what is? It says it was for a brick. Now I know that this is like I didn't design the uh, form, and this is the the service company that's doing this fundraisers limited. And there's some little issues with it. For instance, if you're international, you have mm -hmm. to call the 800 number. The it's toll free, but uh, you have to call that 855 yep. Twitbricks BRX. Um, if you want to order more than one brick, you have to do it's only one at a time. One at a time. Despite nice. the strain, it looks like you can change this, oh, yeah. but you can't. Nice. There's no way you could put a two or a three or anything else. It's one at a time, and that's because you have to. What's a brick it. replica? Is that a fake brick? You, you can order a duplicate, an exact duplicate of the brick that will be mounted uh, in the Hall of Fame for your own you, home. Right. Will that come on a little stand or something? You can put it on your desk? I don't believe it? it comes in a stand, but I do believe it will be delivered by a uniformed representative of the federal government to your home in, uh, <laughs> in a finely crafted... As, as we found out on South Park, that means Federal <laughs> Express. <laughs> in a because finely crafted uh, box made from the wood of trees from the great Pacific Northwest. Nice. Yeah. Well, as long as it's ecologically sound. It's fully recyclable, including the brick if you, you wood, know, get wood tired is, of it. Is that what you're saying? Wood is... <laughs> well, it's cardboard, yeah. I say, okay. Uh, Bricks.twit.tv, Paul, if I haven't swained you, swoned you, sw if I haven't swayed you yet, swayed me. Swayed. Yes. Have Have you been swayed? I have. It sounds like a Prince's Bride guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I have not, been swayed. I do not think that word means what you think it does. 
Uh, please sway your way to bricks.twitch.tv and get on our wall of honor. Paul, it's great to talk to you as always. Have a great uh, uh, weekend, and uh, we'll talk next week. Sounds good. On Windows Weekly.